There's always that imposter syndrome, no matter what level you're at. There's always the feeling that, oh, this will be the last gig. They're going to know. They're going to pull the curtains and they're going to see that I'm actually just crap and I don't know what I'm doing or this one's going to flop. Maybe I had, I got lucky with the other ones. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. This is MILF Podcast, the show where we talk about motherhood, entrepreneurship, sexuality, and everything in between. I'm Jennifer Tracy, your host. Happy New Year. Welcome to a new decade. 2020, it is on. It's already buzzing. I can feel it. And I really hope you guys enjoyed my the bonus episode that came out on New Year's Eve with me and my son. I really had a great time doing that. And I'm so thankful that my producer, Sarah, thought of it. It was her idea. And um, yeah, it was just really, really sweet. And I hope that everybody's having a great week this week. I love this week because depending on when uh, New Year's Eve and Christmas and New Year's Eve fall, generally, especially New Year's Eve, you know, that kind of tells you how much longer you have. But this year on break, this year it falls in the middle of the week. And so we've had the rest of this week. And I know my son doesn't go back to school until the 7th. So it's a nice long break and there's just really your hands are tied. I mean, most businesses are shut down. There's not a lot you can do. Um, Even though I I never shut down. I've been working this whole time. Um, but luckily for me, my work is is playful and fun most of the time. Uh, but I'm going to talk more about that in this episode because it's just me today. I'm flying solo on this first episode of the year. And I do have a couple of announcements. The first one is I'm collaborating with these two really rad companies, um, both female owned. The first one is called Mighty Girls. And I came upon them through my dear friend, Kate Grace Bauer, who lives in New Orleans. And she had posted something about them on her Instagram. And so I went and investigated and I got on a phone call with Reagan, the owner, who is a lawyer, full-time lawyer and a mom. And she has this company. And we talked for quite a while. It was really fascinating. But so what it is, and she's been so gracious as to offer my MILF listeners a discount code of MILF20. So Mighty Girls is a clothing brand for little girls that is whimsical as it is inspiring. It encourages its young wearers to be fun and playful as well as strong and empowered as early as can be. Mighty Girls founder, and it's spelled my M-Y hyphen T-E-E. So it's a play on my tea, like my t-shirt, but mighty. It's just so cute. Um, Founder Reagan Chancer is a lawyer by day and a children's designer by night. Crafting stylish and comfortable apparel, apparel for girls, her brand's core message roots from her belief that girls can be anything they want to be while bringing their own flair to it. So check that out. Mightygirls.com is her website. And if you go on there and you shop, you can get uh, an exclusive 20% off using the discount code MILF20. So I just think that's really cool. And I really had wanted to do this. I did it a little bit in um, November, December too. I'm going to do it all of January. And really just to be totally transparent, this is not, I'm not getting money from these companies. This is just me wanting to promote companies that I think are doing good things that are helping to elevate women and girls and, um, you know, 
I, I just love, I think women helping women is, is one of the most powerful things we can do. So, um, and I'm also going to speak to that later because it becomes hard for me when I need help to ask for help. It's so hard. Why is that so hard? It's really hard. Um, but I'm doing it anyway. So the second company that I'm wanting to promote today, I'm, I'm so excited about is this company called Fluid. Their website is fluid, F-L-U-I-D-E dot U-S. And what it is, is makeup. And let me tell you that I, so I hopped on the phone with Laura, the owner, and she and I had a long talk and she ended up sending me some of the makeup to try, which I'm going to be posting about all week. You guys, this is the best lipstick I've ever used. Uh, Hands down, hands down down. Their red lipstick. I mean, I have two different shades of red that she gave me. And I gave some to my niece. I call her my niece. She's not my niece by blood, but it's my my best friend's daughter, um, Sarah. She's 17 and she's gorgeous and she's really, really, really good at makeup. And so she tried it and she loved it. And so it's this collection of cruelty-free, high-pigmented beauty products designed for all skin shades and gender expressions. Inclusivity and diverse representation is at the core of Fluid's mission and brand identity. All of their models showcase a spectrum of gender expression, sexual orientations, and ethnicities. And their robust online content and social media channels provide both a destination and a platform for a new generation of politically engaged consumers. Fluid donates to and partners with organizations that support health and legal rights in the LGBTQ community. By naming lip and nail shades after queer spaces around the globe, Fluid seeks to pay tribute to the importance of safe spaces for the queer community. I love this company. I'm obsessed with this company. And not only just their their mission statement and their manifesto, but the product is incredible. Fluid is also giving my MILF listeners an exclusive 20% off with the code MILF20. You guys, if you do nothing for yourself in this new year, go online and buy their lipstick. It, I, I have such a hard time with red lipstick because it bleeds, right? And it doesn't matter if I use, and I've asked April Uchitel, the CEO of Violet Gray. I've asked another famous person whose name I won't drop, <laughs> but she's a singer and she wears a lot of red lipstick all the time and it's always perfect. I just can't get it. I just can't. And this is the first time I've ever gotten a red lipstick where I just put it on. I don't have to even put liner on because it comes in a tube. So it looks like a gloss. So it's wet and you paint it on and there was zero bleeding and it stayed on like through dinner, through the ballet. I mean, I was, I went to see a ballet. Um, I went to see you guys. Oh my God. And okay. So fluid, I'm having, I'm having a, um, attention span moment. Uh, fluid.us um, and the discount code is MILF20. So I went to see my my gay husband. Um, he used to be my gay boyfriend, but now he's he's upgraded to my husband. So he took me as a holiday treat to see Black Swan downtown at the Dorothy Chandler here in LA. And it is Matthew Bourne's rendition of Black Swan. I mean, not Black Swan, excuse me, Swan Lake. I'm getting confused with the movie that I love with Natalie Portman, who's so, that movie is so insane. Uh, I love it. I love it. And 
So Matthew Bourne is a just brilliant choreographer. He's English. He's won a gazillion awards. He's choreographed and produced dozens and dozens, probably a hundred ballets all over the world. And I hadn't been to a full ballet in years. And I think the last one I went to see was The Nutcracker, which I've seen a million times, which is absolutely gorgeous. But this was theatrical. It was sort of vaudevillian. He, the dancers were not your typical ballet dancers. Um, it, it really explores, um, gender and sexuality in this way that is, I mean, this, this ballet that he's done has been around since I want to say it debuted in 89. Don't quote me on that because I was reading about it last, last night, but I, I can't remember when it debuted. I want to say 89, but it might be 97 or something, but it's, it's been out for a while is my point. And oh, it was just stunning. It was just absolutely stunning. And we had great seats, but somebody near us was wearing, I swear to fucking God, like a bottle of perfume. And we both at intermission were like, Oh my God, I feel sick. Like I have a headache. <laughs> Why do people do that? You guys? I don't know. And, and we, we looked around and there was like one elderly woman there with, with two men that looked like they might be her sons. And I, I said, well, maybe she's lost her sense of smell and she thinks she needs more. I don't know. I mean, I, but yeah, I can't with the perfume. Um, but the ballet was exquisite. And now I'm obsessed with Matthew Bourne and I want to go see everything he's done. And I want to find out he's, I think the red shoes is on right now in London, which I was like, Hmm, could I swing that after I go to New York? I'll just zip over to London real quick. <laughs> um, but I, I'll, I'll deal with that in a minute because right now I'm busy doing this podcast for you guys. Um, and what I wanted to talk to you guys about today was the reason that I'm going to New York is because I've been working on this novel for about five years. Um, and wait, is that right? 14, 15, 16. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. Five, over five years now. And oh my God, is it almost six years? It is six years. Now, a lot of that was me putting it down and not working on it for long periods of time. You know, I was getting a divorce. I had mediation. I had stuff with my son and his schooling and all kinds of things. So, um, you know, and, and within that time I began to teach writing which the irony of which was not lost on me because it was so hard for me to get to my own writing. Um, but I would, and I would write other things and I started creating this podcast and, um, other forms of expression and doing live performance again. And, but what I really wanted to talk about t today with you guys, which is very vulnerable, I'm feeling a little nervous, even just talking about it here, but it's really, really, really hard to do something no matter who you are, like, and I just, I wanted to spell that because I know some incredibly successful people and I've had the privilege of learning from them and watching them in their process and they struggle too. You know, there's always that imposter syndrome, no matter what level you're at, there's always the feeling that, oh, this will be the last gig. They're going to know, they're going to pull the curtains and they're going to see that I'm actually just crap and I don't know what I'm doing. Or this one's going to flop. Maybe I had I got lucky with the other ones, and it can be so, so crippling. 
And what I have found in the last couple months since I really made this decision to push myself to go to New York and take these meetings, I'm going to be meeting with some literary agents and push myself to just almost, I mean, I was telling a friend the other day, I said, I I literally am just pushing myself off a cliff with this because I don't feel ready. I feel scared. I feel like the book isn't ready. I've never felt like the book was ready. Um, I mean, I do, I do feel like it's ready. (laughs) I do feel like it's ready, but I honestly could tinker with it for another six years. And, but that's not going to serve anyone, particularly me. (laughs) So I had dinner with a friend right before Christmas, another author who's brilliant and just really, really brilliant woman. And she, I showed her this sort of this it's like a brochure. It's called a deck in the business, but it's an online, basically a one sheet or a brochure about my book that I that I made, that I had my assistant make for me because she knows how to do it and she's brilliant at it. So she made it look really great and I edited the copy inside. Anyway, this girlfriend that I went to dinner with, this other mom who's an author, who's very successful and really smart, was like, you need to... She read through it and she kind of read me the riot act. She was like, you are not really get put giving your a game here. And at first I was like, I, I'm not, what do you mean? I'm not, I've worked so hard on this. And then she lovingly gave me notes and I really saw that I wasn't, I, and I don't even know if it was me being quote unquote humble or if it, I was afraid to sound arrogant or whatever, but I wasn't really showing in this document anyway, all the things that I am. And I think that as women, it we really have a tendency to do that a lot, you know, and I can cheer on my girlfriends and tell them how beautiful they are and tell them how wonderful they are and what a great job they're doing. No problem. But when it comes to me talking about myself and writing about myself and writing about my accomplishments, I just feel like, oh, I got nothing. I There's nothing. And I'm so grateful that I have people around me that are like, excuse me, you're no, stop, get a pencil, you know, write this down because, um, I don't know what that is, you know, and then asking my friends for introductions to people in the business is also really just cripplingly hard for me. And yet every single person that I have asked for help has said, yes, every single person. Some people couldn't help. There wasn't, they like, they just couldn't, but every other person said yes. And I have to think that, you know, that, see, and I'm really uncomfortable even saying this, like, but that reflects on who I am in my relationships with everybody, with, with them, with people around me, um, with the work that I put out. And again, like, I feel like I have to put this disclaimer. I know that I am so flawed, so deeply flawed. And I share about this on the show all the time. But it was shocking to me how willing people were to help me. Um, Now, that doesn't mean it's going to be an easy road from here on out. I mean, I'm talking about getting a book published and I'm well aware that it's, you know, difficult and competitive and all of those things. But I, this, I have to do this. I have to see this through. Uh, And I just wanted to talk about this on this podcast, on this day in the beginning of the year. 
because I know that whether you're out there listening to this, whether you're a writer, whether you're an artist, whether you're a dancer, whether you're a business person, an entrepreneur, um, whatever it is that's in your heart, you know, it's there for a reason. And I really, really believe this. I was working with a writer the other day and she's, she's got a really difficult task. She's wanting to write something, um, that is based on something true and something really painful. And yet it's scary to write that because other people in her life will be affected. So we sat down and we talked about it and it was really vulnerable. And I said to her, you know, there's a reason that this is calling to you to, to express in this way, in this public forum. And you never know who this is going to help. Uh, and, and really that's the thing when we, when we write books and I know like Jennifer Pasteloff is such a great example of that. I mean, she embodied that before she even published her book on being human, but especially after she published her book and was, and is still doing like book tour stuff and signings and events. And she's just constantly out there. Her whole purpose is to help people heal because she was able to heal. And that's just so profound. And I think we can do that with any kind of medium that we create in. Again, like whether it's you're writing a book, whether you're writing a screenplay, whether you're performing a play, whether you're painting a painting, whether you're opening a business, you know, these businesses that I've been promoting are really helping change lives. Like imagine if, you know, 20 years ago, there was a makeup line that you could identify with if you were a trans kid. I mean, well, 20 years ago, imagine if there was anything you could identify with if you were a trans kid. Um, I have a, a friend, a really beautiful, amazing friend who is young. She's, gosh, she's like 31 and she's trans and she wants to write a book, like a YA book about a trans girl who has magical powers. And I'm like, uh, yeah, why has that not been done yet? Like you are being called to write that. That is so brilliant. Um and by the way, like, <laughs> it's funny, people will say, don't, don't share your ideas. Or like I say, you know, my book's about a mom who becomes a dominatrix. Um, and some people say, well, don't, aren't you worried someone's going to steal that idea? And I'm like, well, here's the thing about that. So, like you could take 10 different people and they could write a book about a mom who becomes a dominatrix and you're going to have 10 completely, completely different books. So unless you can get my manuscript script from me somehow, and, you know, and pawn it off as yours, which is, you know, I don't know if it's a federal offense, but it's a criminal offense of some sort. Um, I think we're good. And, and again, like, I think that, I mean, this is a little woo woo, but I do think that these ideas come to us for a reason from whatever place they come. Uh, I mean, I think they come from our psyche and our experience in this lifetime and stuff, but I also think it comes from some other place in conjunction with some other place. Oh my God, I sound so wacky LA, but, um, and I think that there's a reason that we're the chosen voice of that particular story. And so that further leads me to believe that when you have that burning desire to tell that story, there's a reason because it's going, and it really doesn't have to do with you, which is, which takes the weight off, right? It really doesn't. And it's just about you being this conduit for this healing, a conduit for this, you know, someone being able, someone somewhere being able to relate 
and say, oh, I have that thing too. Oh, I need, I need lipstick that is, you know, gender in- inclusive. I need uh, whatever it is. I need a t-shirt that says, yes, I can for my 10-year-old daughter that wants to be an astronaut and the boys laughed at her because they said girls aren't good at math or whatever it is. So I just wanted to just do this really quick <laughs> podcast today to, t- to encourage anyone out there who's listening that you can, you have it in you, and there's a reason that it's in you. That's what she said. I've been watching The Office so much, you guys. I swear to God, I think, and I'm looking right now and my Christmas tree is still up and there's a Dwight, uh, my friend Amy McPhail uh, sent to my son. She sent a um, Christmas ornament in the shape of Dwight. And I was so sweet because she knows he loves The Office. But um, there's nine seasons of it, as you know. And I think we have watched all nine seasons. My son has watched. I haven't watched every single episode with him. Maybe five times through. I mean, he's a, it's obsessive. But there are worse things to be doing. And he's not playing video games, I have to say. He doesn't. All he wants to do is watch The Office. Uh, it's fascinating. And he has like every single script memorized. I'm just so curious what that's going to evolve into as we go along. Um, so let me check the time. Okay. I've been talking for 20, almost 22 minutes and I kind of feel done. (laughs) This is a really short one, but I really just wanted to check in and kind of, I don't know if I could offer a little New Year's inspiration to you to just follow that path and follow that dream. You know, there's no time like the present. None of us are getting any younger. (laughs) And I love that somewhere I heard somebody said, you know, I want to learn to play the piano. Well, I don't have time. You know, it'll take me three years or whatever it was, or I want to go to law school or I want to do this. Well, yeah, but in three years whether you did or whether you didn't go to law school, three years is going to pass. So why don't you just do what you want to do and get the thing done? I'm totally messing up that phrase. But the point is, yes, of course, it's going to take time. Um, And look at me, you know, six years into this novel, and I'm just now at this stage. And then I'm going to be at the next stage and the next stage. And and so what? It's okay. It's all okay. And I'm, I'm grateful to be doing it. And I'm grateful to have the courage to put it out there, even though I'm st- terrified, terrified. What if people laugh at me? What if people don't like it? They won't. They will. Uh, I mean, they will laugh at me and they won't like it. Some people, you know what I'm saying? Like not everybody's going to like everything that you put out, but it's worth the risk to me and it's worth going for it. And even if I fall flat on my face, at least I know that I tried. So with that, um, I'm just going to remind you guys to go to Mighty Girls website and Fluid website and use your MILF20 discount codes, you guys. Those are gold. After the holidays, I mean, this is this is way post-holiday uh, shopping discounts. And these are beautiful companies. So you'll be supporting amazing women bringing beautiful things into the world with, with meaning. Um, I can't wait for next week's episode. I have Miriam Feldman on the show who's also an author, uh, 
she contacted me and I just fell in love with her. And I, she said, I'm in LA for three more days. Can we do an episode? And I said, Oh my God, where can I meet you? So we met and I'm going to apologize in advance because the guest house in which she was staying the day that we scheduled this, the lawnmower was going for like an hour outside. So my poor editor, who's just such a patient man, really had to work hard on that one. So you may, you may hear some in the background, <laughs> but it's worth it because Mimi is a genius and she's hilarious and her story is heartbreakingly beautiful and so worth it. And if you are a writer and you're interested in writing and getting more inspiration, please go to my website, jennifertracy.com and check out this virtual writers summit that I've put together. I'm so proud of this, you guys. And I don't really talk about this a lot on the show um, because my show is not about writing, but um, it kind of was today. So uh, it I interviewed 10 women, 10 authors uh, and screenwriters and TV writers. And I did, I, vide- I videotaped it. Oh my God, I'm aging myself. I'm dating myself. I filmed it. I put, cut it together. And it's really an incredible catalog of these interviews with very successful writers. Tembi Locke, who wrote From Scratch, Jennifer Pasteloff, whom I mentioned earlier, Claire Bidwell-Smith, Kelly Hampton, um, Nancy Katz, and Celine Busby, who are award-winning screenwriters. It's just, it's an incredible lineup. I'm missing a couple because I don't have the list of, oh, Rebecca Baruki. Um, it's, it's a really great crew. And it's free if you sign up on my website, jennifertracy.com. So you get free access uh, for a limited amount of time. I think it's a week or 10 days or something. I actually don't know. Isn't that terrible? But it's it's better that way because I just let my team handle all of that stuff. <laughs> I just create the content and then I put it up there. I make it as good as I can make it. Um, but it really is inspiring to listen to these women talk about their inspiration, their writing, how they got from not having anything published to having a best-selling book from, you know, not having a, you know, being an assistant to being a showrunner for one of the best TV shows on television for nine years running. So it's, and it's just, again, like that is such inspiration for me to know like, okay, if they can do it, I can do it. If they can do it, I can do it. You know, and they have, most of them have children and families and pets and wildlings and all the craziness that we have to juggle. So um, anyway, I'm going to wrap up this first episode of 2020. I really love you guys. Thank you for allowing me to bring this to you every week and happy new year. And I will talk to you next week. Bye.